Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. We are so grateful to have you listening and want to tell you about a number of things that are going on at Founders Ministries. Uh, first update is Wheel the Sword Project is going wonderfully, and we recently released those videos on YouTube. And so uh, the third episode is released. Uh, Rod Martin does a wonderful job on vocation. Mm-hmm. And it's just a glorious, it was so encouraging as I watched uh, him just roll out the cultural mandate in all of its beauty and all of its glory. So go to uh, YouTube for that. And then you can go to founders.org and check the Wheel the Sword page to see uh, future episodes that will be rolling out. A uh, big thank you to those who are part of the fam. We are grateful for your monthly support and hope you're encouraged by what's going up in the armory. If you're not a part of the fam, you can go to founders.org to find out more. And then we've got exciting things going on with the Institute of Public Theology as well, right, Tom? That's right. Uh, in April this month, we are hoping to uh, see the Institute of Public Theology open up for applications. And so keep your eyes open for that. Uh, we're building this as we go. We're excited about it. We've got the first year's courses already lined out. Tom Nettles will be teaching in August. I'll be teaching a course right after that, late August, early September. Uh, Vody Balkan will be teaching in January 2022. You'll be teaching in the spring of 22, uh, 2022, along with Mark Coppinger. And we've got Carl Truman slated as well, and James Dolezal. So those are the first year's courses for the Institute of Public Theology. If you want more information, go to founders.org, or you can go uh, click on the Institute of Public Theology information, follow us on social media as well, and you'll get more information. But we're excited about how that is lining up, and God willing, here in the next week or two, you will have access to begin the application process. Yeah, your course is going to be Pastor in the Public Square. Right. And when you teach it, are you going to employ your book? Dear Timothy? Yes, Dear Timothy will be part of that, as long as the book, strong, along with Strong and Courageous. Yes. So Dear Timothy is a, a wonderful book. I think it's over 500 years of pastoral ministry uh, is represented in the letters that are written by the different men in that book. Oh, yeah, this is a great book. Joel Beakey here on the back. Get this book. It is a gold mine of wisdom. Uh, Burt Parsons at St. Andrews. Uh, this is precisely the sort of book we need in the church today. I remember reading this book uh, as we were just getting to know each other. Mm. And I remember I finished it and I thought I've gobbled up all the gold mines that are in here. And I said to you, you know, hey, can I, can I come and and learn even more. And you were graciously open to me doing that. But you made me cross the river and come to you. You well, remember that? I do remember that, but I didn't feel too bad about that. Actually, I offered that. You're young. I offered that. <laughs> I offered that because I was smart and I knew this man is busy and I want to come to you and uh, at least offer to pay for the breakfast. And, yeah, so I'm excited about that course. I've been doing some research and more writing or reading on it and trying to put some things down on paper. And, and I think it's going to be it's going to be good for me. I mean, it's crystallizing a lot of things we've been talking about the last couple of years. Uh, pastoral ministry is tough. It's not going to get any easier that I can tell in our culture, in what's in front of us, what we're in the midst of now. And we need to be thinking uh, critically. We need to be thinking rigorously from scripture to the world in which we live. Yep. So that's going to be the backbone of it. One of the main um, principles that will be coming out in your course is really the pastor in the public square. And that involves public theology. Yeah. And that certainly involves education. Absolutely. And uh We're in a time where we know the government schools are certainly committed to an ideology. Uh, There have been calls to for Christians to have their kids leave 
public schools, government schools for a very long time. That's right. become very common. And you could find yourself in certain situations where maybe that's different. Uh, I come from a very small town and uh, the administrators and all, all of them get together in this county and they still pray. You know, they have, they have their they have their school meetings and they're doing like crucifixion scenes, like passion uh, theaters and stuff like that still. And so you might find yourself in a situation like that. You might be a good uh, Christian folk that are involved in trying to reform public education. That's a particular calling certainly has its challenges and increasingly so, but the vast majority of the case, uh, if you're involved in these government schools, the ideologies are just forced down. And so there's Christian schools yeah. uh, and there's a number of uh, avenues for engaging in Christian schools. Um, regular Christian schools, classical Christian schools, homeschools uh, as well, homeschool, mm -hmm. homeschool. But even if you're engaged in Christian schools, you need to have your eyes wide open to what's going on. This ideology that we're concerned about is infecting um, in all sorts of ways. Absolutely. I, I was reading some articles this last week about what's happened over 2020 and early in 2021. And study after study is indicating that there are more and more parents turning toward private schools, Christian schools largely, and homeschooling because of what happened in 2020 with COVID when schools got shut down and then you know online schools and parents begin to think, well, hey, if we're going to do this anyway, why don't we just do it in the way that we want to uh, kind of tailor it for our own values? And that's a right and good thing. But curriculum is being developed and within Christian schools, even this ideology is beginning to seep in. We've seen that time and again. It was made very evident last week in an announcement that came from ACSI, which is the Association of Christian Schools International, one of the largest networks of Christian schools. And so if you have a Christian school you've been associated with, their school's been around for a while, most likely they, they will at least know about this network, this association. They may well be partner with it. But the announcement on March 24th, 2021 said this, ACSI partners with Unify Ed to offer Christian schools resources on cultural intelligence. Well, I mean, who wants to be culturally ignorant? Right? You don't want to be culturally ignorant. <laughs> That's right. But the very first paragraph of the announcement, the, the association is based out of Colorado Springs. That's a byline. It says the Association of Christian Schools International and Unify Ed, a center for hope and unity, are partnering to provide Christian education with biblically based resources on, wait for it, diversity, inclusion, and racial reconciliation. Now, if you've been following this podcast or if you've been keeping up with the critical social justice movement that we've been talking about and trying to warn people about and now try to address and refute over the last few years, those words ought to sound some alarms in your mind because those words are key in this battle that we're engaged in for the mind, for thinking. And the, the first level of, of warfare in such ideological battles is always the battle for the dictionary. So diversity, I mean, diversity is a wonderful thing, right? Equity is a, a wonderful thing. Inclusion is a wonderful thing. But in the critical social justice movement, diversity doesn't mean what we typically think about diversity being, but rather it means unanimity or agreement, full agreement with an ideological point of view and having that agreement then represented by diverse looking people. But you all got to think alike if you're going to be included in this effort. And so when we saw this, 
uh, our antenna went up and we started doing a little investigation and we thought, man, we need to call attention to this and help people connect dots as to what may be going on with this new movement, this, uh, this partnership between ACSI and Unify Ed, which is spelled U-N-I-F-I, then capital E-D, Unify Ed. Yeah, I've heard that the Association of Christian Schools International is a well-respected and a very large organization um, that is involved in promoting the work and then um, training of Christian schools all over. Um, the problem is not that they want to deal with racial reconciliation or diversity and inclusion, but the way in which they're going to approach it if they're tied up to Unify Ed. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about the organization Unify Ed. Why not? Why don't you pay the eighty nine dollars and uh, get I on know. board? <laughs> but we do we do know uh, Walter Strickland, who is the the president or the executive director. Well, he's yeah, he's the head, he's of, the head that, of that of right. that organization. And um, you know you know Walter met mm-hmm. him. I've at mm-hmm. least bumped into delightful him man once. Uh, but there are clear already public disagreements in the way that we're approaching this right. particular issue with what's going on with him, what's going on with Southeastern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, where, where Danny Aiken is the president. And Walter's the vice president of the Kingdom Diversity Initiative, and he's been doing that for several years. That's right. So all of the Christian schools that are associated with this Association of Christian Schools International should honestly be aware of what that institution is doing in partnering with uh, the vision of Dr. Strickland and what's going on with Unify Ed. I would highly recommend for people just to, so so they can understand this is something that we are equally passionate about, mm-hmm. rec- racial reconciliation. By What Standard, the book here that is published by Founders Press has a fantastic article in it on racial reconciliation from Dr. Vody Bauckham. Now, Vody Bauckham is going to provide keen insight into that, and we're actually going to be putting that book on sale for those who want to dig into the issue, uh, go to founders.org. And as you purchase it, the code is BWS15, BWS15, and that book will be on sale. Um, but uh, Unify Ed, uh, led by Dr. Walter Strickland, is now in partnership with the Association of Christian Schools International. And to give people some background into some of the issues that we have had with the way Dr. Strickland leads in this, uh, he came up in our film, By What Standard? Mm-hmm. And so here is a clip from the film, By What Standard, where Dr. Strickland uh, refers to James Cone. And there are clips woven in from James Cone to show what James Cone teaches as as well as Dr. Strickland's commentary on the ministry of James Cone. So watch this and get a sense of what Unify Ed uh, will be teaching and ways they'll be pushing on this particular issue. Right. And again, this comes from our Synodoc By What Standard, which you can watch for free at founders.org or on our YouTube channel. And the first voice you'll hear is Walter Strickland's as he's commending uh, the work of Dr. Cohn. And then you'll hear Dr. Cohn who speaks. So just make sure you keep those two identities distinct. Yeah. And before the kit plays, let me just add here, uh, no disrespect. What often happens when we bring up this issue and try to shed light on it, it's a loaded issue. Right. And uh, we could be marked as haters or whatever else it is. Now, this is all done in love. Absolutely. Uh, this is a matter of Christian truth and what's really going on here with this Association of Christian Schools and International and their partnership. Here's Dr. Strickland in his own words. Yeah, and it's an engagement of ideas. If you want the full context, you can go and look at the whole documentary that we've posted for free on our YouTube channel or at founders.org. So listen. Oftentimes what happens is, is that people get wind of Cone, mm-hmm. primarily because he is considered the godfather of black liberation theology. Hey, 
king interpret the gospel in such a way in which the blackness of his identity was not at the center. Malcolm, a Muslim, rejected Christianity because it did not address his blackness. So I wanted to bring the blackness of my identity together with the faith that I had learned in the church. And it was that that brought me to want to interpret the Christian gospel. So in black theology, which I developed, the blackness in that phrase comes from Malcolm X. The theology in it comes from Martin King. So I bring Martin and Malcolm together, the civil rights movement and the black power movement together in order to develop a black theology of liberation. He's prolific. He's written monograph after monograph, like hitting you every year, especially in the beginnings of the movement. Uh, and then also uh, most recently he came out with a, I think is his most beautiful monograph, which is um, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. If you have not gotten that, you need to read that. It'll challenge you. It'll stretch you. You may agree with more or less of what he says, but either way, you'll be blessed by that. If you read me, I'm as hard on the black church as I am on the white church. It's just the white church got more power. They can do more harm. The more power you have, the more harm you can do. And that's why. The white church need to be critiqued and white theologians need to be critiqued. It has to do with power. It has nothing to do with biology. And that's why the redistribution of power is so essential. If you're not talking about redistributing power, you're just joking around. You just want to feel good. It's not about feeling good. It's about distributing power. And so because of that, he's this sort of seminal, powerful figure, almost like a wrecking ball, right? Mm -hmm. He is sort of trying to deconstruct and blow up this sort of uh, stranglehold that uh, white men have had on uh, academic theology in America. The cross, as I said, is God taking the side of the victim. It's a symbol of that. God making ultimate identification with the powerless. Now, if the powerful in our society, the white people, if they want to become Christians, they have to give up that power. Well, there are multiple concerning things about uh, what James Cone has said yeah. just in the clips that are there associated with the film by what standard and so so many things need to be said I mean number one um, there's a massive problem with Cone saying I got the blackness part of my black liberation theology from Malcolm X <laughs> I actually yeah. got it from Malcolm X I take Malcolm X and I take Martin Luther King and I bring them together but signaling that King didn't put the blackness at the center and uh, by implication Malcolm did, and I took mm -hmm. Malcolm X's view of blackness and, and put it at the center of my black liberation theology. That is not a, an approach to diversity or inclusion or racial reconciliation that we want advocated to the Christian schools right. uh, in our land. 
Yeah, and we've seen this happen, sadly, with some Christian leaders that have just kind of gone off of the rails on this very issue, that if you cannot first identify with me based upon my skin color, then don't try to identify with me based upon our commonality in Christ. It's heartbreaking to see this, but these kind of things have been advocated. They're being advocated now. And, um, you know, we're not suggesting that Dr. Strickland is recommending everything in James Cone. Right. But he did recommend James Cone, and particularly with this uh, book of the cross and the lynching tree, which the second part of that clip has Dr. Cone speaking about. It's all about power. And if you're not talking about power, you're just playing games. And so the idea that, that unity comes through power, either giving it up or taking it when you haven't had it. I mean, that's contrary to the unity in the spirit through the bonds of peace that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way he ends by saying, you know, if, if the powerful are going to become Christians, Christian, yeah. well, then they have to, they have to give that up. They have to lay that down. They, yeah. I mean, that is not the way you become a Christian. You right. don't, you don't become a Christian by um, laying down some kind of power. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what nation you come from. You, yeah. you become a Christian by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who lived a righteous life, who laid down his life on the cross for our sins and our salvation and is risen again. You trust in him and you call upon his name and you will be saved. It's mm -hmm. not this false gospel. And, and to commend the idea that yeah. this is the way that you can become a Christian by some kind of law, by yeah. some kind of, of personal um, law, this is the way you'll do it. You give up your power, you can become a Christian. That's a false gospel and it's not worthy of being commended and it certainly shouldn't be finding its way into Christian education. Exactly, it goes right to the heart of what we've been contending for for a long time, that what is happening in this critical social justice movement that's finding its way into churches and Christian institutions and Christian circles, it is a false religion. It's another religion. It's not a different kind of Christianity. It's not Christian at all, though it uses some of the same vocabulary and it tries to quote scripture and says, oh no, we're, we're trying to uh, unpack what it means to pursue justice and what it means to show mercy and how we are to live together in unity. Well, you need to keep your Bibles open. And when you do that, you're going to recognize very quickly, and especially what James Cone says here about how you become a Christian, by laying down your power, giving up your power, that is contrary to the way of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's troubling to see that kind of idea advocated that the way we're really going to get at uh, unity is through uh, laying down yeah. our power. And again, this this idea that we see uh, Cone uh, advocating and that we see Strickland uh, commending in various ways, it's not like this came out of the blue. Right. Um, Walter Strickland is a professor at the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and Danny Aiken is the president of that seminary. And uh, Dr. Aiken has commended this very same idea. Uh, here's a clip from Dr. Aiken where he says that white evangelicals are going to need to surrender power, surrender leadership at the table if we're going to get at genuine equality. So I think one of the things that white evangelicals in particular have got to do is become better listeners. Uh, in addition to that, we've got to be willing to surrender power, uh, which is again uh, not uh, indigenous to our nature. Uh, as I often say, not only do we need to uh, invite ethnic minorities 
uh, uh, into our uh, room and uh, to have a seat at the table. Uh, we even need to be willing to surrender leadership at the table if we're really going to make progress and really uh, help uh, our brothers and sisters understand we see them on an equal plane with ourselves. Relinquish power. I mean, again, there's so much of this that sounds right and good because we are to think more highly of others than we do ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're not to promote ourselves above others, and we're to seek to have the mind of Christ in humility. But only white evangelicals are to do that. Well, that's kind of what it sounds like there, doesn't it? That is. That's not what it sounds like. It's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. And there's no disrespect to Dr. Aiken, but uh, advocating this kind of position is not fit with being the leader of a Southern Baptist theological seminary, any of our institutions. Um, This, his very words, what he has advocated, and I haven't heard him say that, Hey, I misspoke or I shouldn't have said what I did, but he says in order to get our brothers and sisters to understand that we're serious about equality, what white evangelicals must do is surrender power. They must surrender leadership at the table. And that is not the idea of this is, this is what Cone said. This is about redistributing power. You have to lay down this power if we're going to get at some kind of justice, if we're going to get at some kind of equality. And that is not, that's not what Christ has said about equality, justice, and unity in Scripture. Exactly. And there there are two things that need to be uh, called out here, I think. One is the fact that he has virtually said exactly what Cone advocates. That doesn't mean that he got it from Cone. It doesn't mean he's advocating everything that Cone taught and believed. But you do have to look at it and say, why are these two guys from two completely diverse theological traditions saying the same thing? And we would contend is because there is this uh, ideology afoot that has crept into even our evangelical institutions. And as you have already critiqued, that is not the way of Christ. That's not the way of unity. And, And then I mean, doesn't it just demand a question if you have uh, a Christian leader who's the president of an institution saying we're going to have to give up our positions of power if we're going to have racial reconciliation, if we're going to have real equality? Well, say, when are you going to resign? Yeah. When you, I mean, if this is not just talk, if this really, if you really are advocating this position, then wouldn't it require you not to just to be a talker or a hearer? of these principles, but a doer of them. And I mean, people have asked that and it's a legitimate question. I would love to have an answer for that question. Those who are in power, who are saying we got to give up our power, seem pretty slow to give it up. Absolutely. I think people do need to be consistent with the principles that they are advocating. And, um, you know, what, what, um, causes my, um, zeal for this issue is the way that what is being advocated as far as racial reconciliation and equality from this vantage point diminishes the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the cross. Ephesians 2 tells us, and you can go to listen to Vody Bauckham's sermon at founders.org on racial reconciliation. Pick up the book by what standard. You'll find it in there as well. But the cross of Christ is what has established our unity. It is not going to be established by white people surrendering their power 
power. It has been established by Jesus Christ himself going to the cross. And when he died, he abolished the wall of hostility. He he abolished the hostility that was between us and God, and he abolished the hostility that was between us and one another. And indeed, we walk that out, but we walk it out by faith in Christ who has been crucified for us, mm-hmm. who has secured our unity. And so we go and look at brothers and sisters in Christ, and we say, praise God that we are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are unified in Christ. And if you're going to have Christian education, and so if you're going to have an accrediting institution or any kind of association that's going to be about Christian education, if you're going to be talking about racial unity, if you're going to be talking about a racial reconciliation, then you must, you can't be advocating what James Cone taught. You must be advocating what Jesus Christ has actually done on the cross. Absolutely. So in that sense, there is a de facto unity that we have with everyone in Christ. It's done. It is there. And yes, we need to work that out. And where we act contradictory to that, then we need to repent. But it always needs to be on the basis of the scripture. So if we are one in Christ, if there's indeed neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we're one in Christ, well, then we need to understand how that oneness has occurred which is Ephesians 2, and then what that requires of us in regards of how we treat each other. And we don't set different standards for one race of people versus another. No, we're all in Christ. We're all under the law of Christ. We're all obligated to the Christ who has saved us by his grace. So it's an attack upon the gospel to think this way. And it really is bigotry. It's bigotry. I mean, there was, you know, a speechwriter, I think for George Bush said the, the low bigotry or the soft bigotry of low expectations to say, oh, no, no, because you have been oppressed or because you have not had these advantages, uh, we're going to lower the standards for you. Or we're going to say, no, this is the way that you will now gain uh, unification with us or racial reconciliation with us. No, it's happened in Christ. And we yeah. all need to get our minds submitted to the Lordship of Christ and what he's once for all time done and live according to that. Yep. Yeah, I can, you know, I know all sorts of brothers and sisters that uh, have black skin that would look at Dr. Aiken saying, well, you know, in order to really convince them that we're serious about equality, we have to lay down power, right? And so say he, he, he vacates his position under that premise and gives it to a person that has black skin color. And then he's in conversation with these brothers and sisters I know and say, see how serious I am about it. Look what I did. Right. And they were appointed somebody that who it doesn't even deserve the position yeah. maybe, but had, you know, had the right skin color according to the scheme. I know brothers and sisters can be like, what are you doing? You know, you're not serious about equality. If you were serious about equality, why didn't you use the power that you had to do justice, to do what is right, what is fair, what is good? That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to actually use what God has given you to serve Christ and serve his kingdom in this world. And, you know, I would want to speak to to schools, Christian schools all across the land that are looking at this. And if there is going to be an association of Christian schools international that begins to drift in this way Mm -hmm. and begin to advocate these ideas, there are other associations. There are other ways to get accredited. Um, Two that I know of that I know are highly commended. I don't know everything about these, these um, associations, but I know that that I've got multiple people that told me they're very good. Classical Latin school is one and the association of classical Christian schools. So that is CLS and ACCS um, are schools that I have heard are not buying in 
to this ideology that is working its way not only through all of the government schools but uh, has potential to seem like it might be working through other Christian associations as well. Yeah, you know, this this is a, a, a fresh issue for us. It's vitally important because we're talking about uh, some parents in our church are getting together to start a Christian school, mm-hmm. K through 12. And so, man, these things are on our radar already. We want what is best for the children in our church and this community as we get this thing rolling. Uh, we've started the Institute of Public Theology, and we want to guard against having any of these ideologies that are contrary to the way of Christ seeping in. And so when this article showed up on my radar, uh, it was like um, immediately, oh no, oh no. And and we have uh, friends in churches, we have students in uh, Christian schools that are a part of this association that has made this announcement that they're partnering with Unify Ed that has Dr. Walter Strickland as its executive director. Now, we're not trying to say, oh, no, that means everything's going to be a disaster. But we are saying the alarm bells ought to go off. And you ought to be asking questions if your child is in such a school or if you're an administrator in one of these schools, begin to take it up with this agency of which you are a part and ask the right questions and make sure that under the guise of trying to promote what sounds like the vocabulary, a healthy thing for Christians, you're not being led down a road that will take you away from Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Richard Weaver's great book, Ideas Have Consequences, and the ideas that are advocated in uh, K through 12 education, that are advocated in college education, and certainly seminary level education for pastors, those ideas indeed do have consequences. We didn't get here overnight, like we didn't as as a nation and society, we didn't get to advocating the certain things that we're advocating right. um, in, in a moment, but rather they have been cultivated. This way of thinking about equality, uh, about diversity, about what uh, reconciliation really means and what justice really means, what you're supposed to do with power, all of those ideas are certainly advocated. So we need um, to recover a Christian vision of education. That's one of the reasons why we have uh, wield the sword going on and right. we have a particular episode on education. Dr. Ben Merkel, who is president president of New St. Andrews College, uh, addresses education and does a marvelous job. It's actually not released yet. That episode is in the work and very soon to be released. And so keep your eyes open for Ben Merkel, president of New St. Andrews on education as we're seeking to recover a Christian vision of all of life and certainly including education. We will put all of these articles we made reference to in the notes for this episode. So you can go and check them out yourself. You can also look at the synodoc there. You can find the clip that uh, we played from Dr. Aiken there as well. And if this episode's been of value to you or if you uh, appreciate the Sword in a Trial, we'd appreciate it if you would subscribe to the various podcast uh, venues where we uh, have our podcast located or the YouTube channel and just send it out to others as well. Uh, We would greatly appreciate you helping us to make these things known as widely as possible. Thanks for listening and being a part of the podcast today.